0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Tony. And the fitness industry right now is not what it could be. It's become something built on unrealistic expectations, aesthetics, and external validation, directing attention away from what actually matters. The bottom line is we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the fitness industry for the better by providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible evidence-based training and nutrition to your own lives. And today we are going to be talking about a topic that is continuously hot, I guess, in all conversation, and that is inflammation. More specifically, what inflammation is and how it manifests in the body, the role your diet and lifestyle plays in inflammation, anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory foods, if there are any, and some supplements that may help mitigate inflammation. But before we get into it, if... You like the podcast? You like this episode? The easiest way you can support us is by giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening, or and go and follow us on Spotify if you haven't already. We have seventeen thousand followers, which is amazing. Seventeen thousand five hundred
1: and fifty
0: six, actually. Okay, wow, even better. As of this morning. And we really appreciate it, and allows us to reach even more people.
1: Yeah, make sure to hit that follow button if you're on Spotify so every single Monday the fresh episode pops up. But before we get into it, if you want more out of each episode, join us over on Premium or just 5 Bucks. A month that is less than i spend on a pumpkin spice latte and a puppuccino every friday on my dog the psl is for me the puppuccinos for him but over on premium you get a bonus episode every single friday where we're actually answering your questions full training programs like our 12 week ultimate push pull leg program and our newest high frequency 12 week full body program dropping next week do not miss that we're doing a whole podcast episode breaking down full body training splits the benefits and who they're for but there's also other sick perks like having a monthly 300 legion supplement giveaway actually giving it away this week over in premium exclusive discounts and so much so much more sign up is in our show notes down below if you want to join us over there and as always shout out to our day ones, our homies and the sponsor of today's video legion athletics which i wanted to shout out a product that i don't think we talk about as much but one i take on a daily basis and it's their high dose omega-3 supplement a lot of people don't really know about it as much because it's not as sexy or flashy or yummy. But in today's episode, you're going to learn that another phenomenal reason to be taking a high-quality fish oil omega-3 supplement is that it's about one of two supplements that actually has a proven track record against reducing inflammation. But the biggest problem with most store-bought fish oils is that they are ridiculously, I mean, criminally <laughs> underdosed with what actually matters. And that's the EPA and DHA content, which if you want to learn more about that, go back to our fish oil episode that you put on. That was a while ago, right? But Mariana gave us a whole deep dive into fish oil, but EPA and DHA, that's what you want in these omega-3 supplements. Those are the omega-3s that actually make a difference. For example, the Nature's Made brand, which is commonly found at the store, carries 360 milligrams of combined EPA and DHA, even though it's got two or three grams of total fat Only 360 milligrams are coming from EPA or DHA. Where if you get a clinically dosed version like Legion's Triton, it has 2,400 milligrams of combined EPA and DHA, which is the clinical dose to actually make a difference. So if you want to grab some of that or ever want to restock up or re up on your staples, you can use code FSPOD at checkout or check the Legion link in our bio for 20% off your first order or double points for every order after. That's why my hair and nails are so pretty and long. Is the <laughs> Do you know that? I
0: know my mom just got it, the Legion one, because she was taking Nature's Made and I was home and I noticed it. And I was like, we need to switch this up. I'm so happy that you are taking fish oil without me having to tell you to take <laughs> fish oil, but we're going to get something different. So
1: Yeah. It, well, because if you look at the grocery store, just go look at the bottom because they'll still have, I think like Legion and Nature's Made, they both have about three grams of total fat. So you're like, oh, I'm getting three grams of fish oil. That's not what matters. It's that EPA, DHA, which blows my mind, blows my freaking mind. I'm pumped about this one because this one I mean, is one that you. I don't have a ton of background, or I guess, depth of knowledge in that Mariana put together a good outline to teach us about this kind of like a diet review. Some of those where I'm a student and I got to ask stupid, dumb questions <laughs> that pop in my brain because I, I truly don't know too much. I, I know the differences between acute and chronic inflammation to a point. I know things about different NSAIDs and different tests you can get done in your blood, but it is all over the place. I was telling you before we started, I think I've seen the claim that inflammation is the root of every disease that we have today, probably a million mm-hmm. times on social media. And I know that's probably BS because it's a ridiculous claim, but I don't have a solid reason why I know that's not true outside of it, it's just ridiculous. It's a massive claim. So I'm pumped about today's episode.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of, a huge problem with it is inflammation is so misunderstood and it's thrown around so much, almost like gut health. It's just, it's thrown around so much and it's oversimplified because of how often people use it and how people make it out to be some really simple thing that has an easy fix or something that has so much power over your overall health. And it's this cherry picking of data and you'll see some information and you'll pick and choose what you want to believe, what you don't want to believe attach inflammation in there. And that's what people remember inflammation and anything that may scare you or may worry you. It's just, it's, it's a word that people can use to really grab attention. So.
1: I would love to do if we could do a scan of just all the words. If we can get like the transcripts. I don't know how this would be possible. Of all of the people in the grocery stores who are f- holding up products saying, don't buy this, don't buy this, don't buy this. I it's would love to scan. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd love to see how many times the word inflammatory or inflammation pops up in those videos. <laughs> it's a terrifying That language
0: word. is inflammatory. You picking up a Costco, a Costco rotisserie chicken and saying, this is inflammatory. You are inflammatory. I, <laughs> you are... Terrible and should not have a platform. so It's just,
1: but like that's that's the word I feel like they got to use the most is inflammatory, Mm -hmm. right? And people buy it. Mm -hmm. They're like, wait a second, that's freaking terrible. I saw another guy said it was the root of all disease. I should stay away from this. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I think, and I think a lot of people sit in the same boat where they don't. They hopefully can probably see that that's probably BS. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how many people actually know why or exactly what it is or anything. So. Mm Give me a breakdown, real quick, of just what inflammation is and the difference, I guess, the different kinds of it. If yeah. There are.
0: Yeah. So you can really think of inflammation generally as the body's natural response to protect itself against harm. Uh, and if you want to think of it in the most general sense, it, inflammation is your body's way of protecting itself from infection, illness, injury. And as part of the inflammatory response, what your body will do, you'll see this in acute inflammation. So this is what more people are familiar with, which is short-term inflammation, acute mm-hmm. short-term, instant. So think of if you are sick, you get a virus, you have sort of, sort of vac- bacteria, you get an injury, that will elicit an acute inflammatory response. So your body will produce white blood cells, immune cells, and substances called cytokines, which they stimulate more inflammatory cells to help fight off that infection, to help heal your injury, to help your blood clot and form a scab, to tell your body to start bruising, to give you a fever, to help fight off an infection. So this- And this is the kind
1: that happens in muscle recovery too, correct? Like after you have a hard weight training session, Mm -hmm. that's acute inflammation, a good thing. Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. So- the classic signs of acute inflammation are redness, pain, heat, and swelling. So you can see this. You can see this acute inflammation and it's a response to sudden body damage. If you cut your finger to heal a cut after you just work out, you are going to elicit some sort of inflammation because this is, working out is both an acute, It can be an acute inflammatory process, which is good because if you're recovering properly, that inflammation is gonna go away. However, Mm -hmm. if it becomes chronic, which I'm gonna explain, that's when it might become a bad thing if you have chronic inflammation from over-exercising. Whereas acute inflammation is a good thing. This is, you want this acute inflammation. This helps your body heal and it helps protect Mm -hmm. against disease getting worse. However, in chronic inflammation, this is gonna be long-term inflammation. This often occurs inside your body without any noticeable symptoms. A little bit harder to detect, Mm. but your body will continue sending these inflammatory cells even when there is no outside danger. There is potential internal danger and it will persist day in, day out, even when you're not threatened by some actual foreign invader like a virus or a bacteria or, you know, Breaking a bone, which is why it's a little bit harder to detect. So for example, in rheumatoid arthritis, your inflammatory cells and other substances attack joint tissues, leading to inflammation. That comes and goes and can cause severe damage to joints and pain and give you more pain and deformities Mm. in rheumatoid arthritis Uh, in um, in your arteries. Inflammation helps to accelerate, kick off athero- as- atherosclerosis. I, I,
1: I thought you had it. I so.
0: always, always, always struggle to say that. Atheros- atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis. Oh, that was perfect. You just had
1: it.
0: Yes, I've always hated that saying that word in school, what have you. It's a toughie. But that's the buildup of fatty cholesterol rich plaque in your blood vessels. So, Your body perceives this plaque as abnormal and foreign. This is what would happen with high blood pressure, heart disease. So it will attempt to wall off that plaque. It wants to get rid of it from your bloodstream so you can allow your blood to flow. But if that wall breaks down, the plaque may rupture and that the contents in your plaque can mingle with your blood. This can form blood clots, block blood flow, and that is the cause of a heart attack or stroke. And inflammation is what can help kick off that process if you have mm. too much of it because you have heart disease. So I really like what how you brought up th- that people may say, you know, inflammation is the root cause of all disease. And there is some truth, lots of misunderstanding and lots of unknown to that statement. So most chronic diseases, so think about type two diabetes, cardiovascular mm. disease, body liver disease, autoimmune disorders, are thought to be rooted in this low-grade chronic inflammation that persists over time. So this inflammation may go unnoticed, and you wouldn't really know that you have it until you see these symptoms associated with the common diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, et cetera. This is called the inflammatory theory of disease. This is actually a thing. It's a theory, right? So a theory. Is not always going to be proven to be fact, to be true. You hypothesize based off of a theory. You conduct experiments Mm -hmm. based off of a theory. And you have to prove or disprove these theories. And in some cases, this has been proven in certain populations, certain groups of people. Uh, Some situations, it's been disproved. And in a lot of situations, we don't entirely know if inflammation is the root cause of all this disease because any chronic disease is going to show signs of inflammation in your body you are the best way to determine if you have inflammation is by getting a blood test and looking for markers such as c-reactive protein homocysteine tnf alpha and interleukin 6 so these are markers in your blood that if elevated can tell you that you have some level some degree of inflammation because it's very hard to just this is chronic inflammation is almost this an invisible disease you can kind of call it there yeah. you There's so many overlapping symptoms that you can't know if you have inflammation by just looking at yourself or saying, I'm fatigued, I'm sluggish, I am gaining weight. You can't know that that's because of inflammation because sometimes these diseases, they're going to be causing inflammation. You're going to, no matter what, see more inflammation in the body if you have a chronic disease because what is inflammation doing It's trying to rid yourself of this disease, of this foreign body, of it's telling you that something's wrong. And in these chronic situations, your body is constantly on alert that something is wrong. You have heart disease every single day, day in and day out. There are signs in your body telling you something is wrong. Something is foreign. Something's going wrong. I need to get rid of this. I need to cure this. What do we do when that happens? We increase our inflammatory markers, in the blood we increase we activate enzymes on our inflammatory cells that's good in an acute manner if we're doing that day in day out that's when it can become a problem it's kind of like what came first the chicken or the egg like sometimes doing things in in your lifestyle and how you're eating may promote some level of inflammation may increase your risk for chronic diseases but also you can develop a chronic disease and without a doubt you're going to that disease is going to promote more inflammation. What came first, it's kind of a mixed batch, I would say. Like, yeah.
1: So it's a lot more it's hard. confusing. It's I, it, it almost, because, okay, it seems like in situations, but not all. And I want to ask you this, because one analogy that I used when I was explaining how, and this is a stupid one, but how taking creatine or supplementing with creatine raises creatinine levels in the blood, which typically if you're not supplementing is a big sign for kidney problems, is high Mm -hmm. creatinine levels, right? But more explaining it how creatinine in this sense is more like a smoke detector, not the actual fire where creatinine is not really a problem on its own. It's the smoke detector or the alarm going off saying, hey, there's a fire down here, there's something else when you're not supplementing with creatine. So it seems like in some of these scenarios Inflammation isn't necessarily the problem. It's like a smoke detector saying, hey, something is happening somewhere it's a signal. Is the problem. Yeah, Inflammation the...
0: is a signal that something else is going on.
1: Okay. So, so it's a fire alarm. And because here's the, the problem, I think the same thing with creatinine, but same thing here is then do you think oftentimes people will blame the smoke detector or blame the inflammation for the fire when in real life, it's like you should put out the fire. You shouldn't blame, no one's blaming the smoke detector. In real life, but I don't think that transfers hundred percent over to this where it does create, yeah. but in certain scenarios, it seems like that's kind of what it is where people are always blaming inflammation, no matter what, when in some scenarios, the inflammation is more of the smoke detector or the alarm signaling yeah. something else is going on.
0: Yeah. I don't think you can really look at inflammation as something to blame. It's really just a sign that something is abnormal. our body is alerting us that something else is going on. And doing things to help reduce inflammation in your lifestyle, that is going to help. You know, you could still target inflammation to a degree with lifestyle factors. However, you can't solely target the inflammation and think that these diseases are going to just magically go away. It's a symptom it's a sign that you can manage, and it's going to make managing whatever disease you're experiencing easier better, but you can't ignore it's almost like there's this big elephant in the room like if you're only targeting the yeah. inflammation and you're not working on improving your the heart disease and that's not you're okay. not going to be effective, but a lot of things that you do to target inflammation are generally just good for your health so
1: okay. Because I'm like, that's where, and we'll probably talk about it more later, but like the NSAID conversation of taking like a acetaminophen, ibuprofen, mm-hmm. it masks that, but that doesn't solve whatever's causing that is a pretty good example yeah. of like why crushing inflammation is just not the answer to solving whatever the problem is. Because I know, and I have a And that's with acute
0: inflammation. So like oh, okay. with chronic, it's like you have to think of chronic as your are const- constantly around the clock the inflammation is almost this alarm in your body. Mm-hmm. You have more inflammation because something is wrong. You're fighting off something, which yeah. is why you have more inflammation. So, it's more so that's going to be a lot more difficult to target.
1: Cuz I was going to say I know at least CRP or that C-reactive protein blood test. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you said ESR like the E sed rate. One, I know those are more non-specific markers mm-hmm. right like it shows that yeah. there's inflammation but it doesn't help you pinpoint what's causing it it just shows something's there but it doesn't help pinpoint yeah. are the others like the TNF alpha IL6 are any of those something to better pinpoint it or would that just be all the non specific markers that if something's elevated you say let's go see a specialist to see maybe what's causing this
0: yeah so with any blood panel you can't just look like the CRP is going to be more general inflammation but You shouldn't just get an inflammatory panel because looking at other biomarkers in your blood are going to help you connect the dots with why your CRP may be elevated. So if your lipids, your cholesterol, your LDL cholesterol is high, your triglycerides are high, and your CRP is high, okay, maybe we have this inflammation. It's most likely that we have this inflammation because we have some signs of Mm. cardiovascular disease here or we're at increased risk for cardiovascular disease. That is where we can kind of target and implement some sort of protocol. And it makes sense why CRP is high. TNF-alpha, interleukin-6, those are not going to be common as accessible for someone to get yeah. tested. But obesity, for example, obesity is you're also going to see inflammation with obesity. There is the relationship between obesity and inflammation is very, very strongly associated. So if you are obese, you have more fat cells and you are the size of your fat cells are going to be increased. That promotes the production of TNF-alpha and interleukin-6, which are these inflammatory cytokines signals that promote the inflammatory response, turn it on, so to say. When you decrease the size of those fat cells, you are decreasing the production of TNF-alpha and interleukin-6. So that's a specific example, and that's actually one of the most obesity and inflammation is mm-hmm. obesity is a chronic disease. A lot of people don't um, don't say that, but it is classified yeah. as a chronic disease and it's one of the most well-studied in terms of its effects on inflammation. So yeah, that's a little bit more specific, but the general inflammatory markers in your blood combined with a, f- a full blood panel are going to kind of yeah. tell you more about why you maybe
1: oh, Okay. So those other ones, the TNF alpha, I just wasn't as familiar. So those don't tell mm-hmm. you where it is, but you want to look at everything as a whole that better yeah. point. So yeah. Let me get this straight. So far there's different kinds of inflammation. So someone like just you can't just say inflammation is good, bad, x, y, z because there's different kinds in yeah. different manners. So from what I'm getting, acute inflammation is more of the I, we don't want to label it good, but quote unquote the good inflammation. The things yeah. that help. the the quick one, the one that's gone in hours to days, acute inflammation is something that is helping you. Chronic Inflammation is something that over time can lead to and start to add to a lot of these disease states. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Chronic's the one that we should probably be more worried about—not just inflammation yeah. as a whole, but chronic inflammation
0: mm-hmm. is what
1: we should be worried about. Is that yeah good so far? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. great. Cool.
0: That is, and I, I think that that can be really helpful because again, there's a certain you need a level of inflammation going on in your body, or else that's a sign. If your acute inflammatory response is not functioning properly, so say in certain cancers, your healing abilities, if you get cut, then that's, you have to go to the hospital because your yeah. whole immune system, your inflammatory response is shot and you are not going to be able to clot. Your blood cannot clot. You're not go- you can bleed out. That is a sign that something's wrong because you don't have your proper inflammatory response intact. So- it's kind of thinking yeah. about it as not so black and white. It's not that simple.
1: Because but- that's what I never got is the whole people will say and hold up a food at the grocery store and say this spikes inflammation, whatever. So you should avoid it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just crosses and says any like any spike in inflammation is a bad thing. No, it's like some of the best things for you induce inflammation, like working mm-hmm. out or training or lifting weights. Some of the best things for your health intentionally spike inflammation, which always was backwards. So I can't wait. I I really want to hear about this diet piece of it, which, okay, wait, One thing I I was just telling you about this story. If you're listening to this, because I Mm -hmm. told Mariana this and she's like, yeah, I already knew that. The whole cold and fever thing. I didn't understand what a fever was trying to do and how that was a sense of inflammation. And same thing with my roommate. I told him this. He's like, yeah, dude, I know. Maybe I'm the only one. I didn't know that your body Is physically heating up the temperature. So the microbes or the bacteria, whatever it is, can't function as well or can't work as well to essentially kill them. Yes. Right? Because they don't work Mm -hmm. as well in hot temperatures. So your body's like, no, I can take the heat. I might be a little under the weather, but I can take it, but you can't. So I'm going to kill you. I did Mm -hmm. not know that's what it was doing. Yeah. And I want to know, I I guess there's no way because we can't just talk to the screen. Maybe I'm an (laughs) idiot. Who knows? But I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then I was telling you, the stupid fun fact before I ask you about these diet questions. So we take aspirin. Did you know the animal piece that I told you about?
0: I didn't No. Ah, okay. Gotcha. But it's in, make, it made sense to me in my head.
1: Oh, it, this is what I thought was super, super cool. So anywho, so your body heats up to kill it, right? Then you go take so let's say like an aspirin to decrease the temperature. So you start to feel better, right? That's what you would do a human. It just is a response and our body's not conscious. Now I was learning that non- Mammalian animals that can't warm their bodies as well, like bugs, fish, or reptiles, they intentionally do the same thing. So, like a fish, for example, if it has something in its body that it needs to fight, it will seek a warmer environment to essentially give itself a fever, right? It's almost self inducing that higher temperature to kill the pathogen. I, I thought that was freaking cool. I thought that was dope mm. in and of itself. Yeah. But the weird part is when people gave fish aspirin it would then choose to leave the warmer temperatures. It would just know, So it chose to go there and then all you have to do is give it aspirin. So it doesn't solve the pathogen, whatever's in there, but you give it aspirin and it just goes back to its colder temperatures. I thought that was the weirdest thing in the world.
0: Yeah, because I think it's like probably just because its internal body temperature is regulated so it wants to go back to the climate that it thrives in.
1: But its internal body temperature never rose per se. On its own, it only rose because it went there. I thought that was weird. Who knows? People are probably listening, like, skip this freaking part. Okay. So talk (laughs) to me about this diet Mm -hmm. piece. Because here's where I still, now I can understand the difference. Is there any, what are people doing when they're holding up a food of, like, chips? And they're saying this is massively, like, inflammatory. Causes a ton of inflammation. This one food does. Get it out. It leads to disease, X, Y, Z. Is there, like, any truth to that or what, like what's going on there?
0: I'd say this is probably a bold statement, but I still feel confident in saying that there is no truth to saying that a food causes inflammation. There's really no truth to saying any food causes Mm. some sort of disease state in your body because we don't eat single foods in isolation. So you can get a cause and effect with a certain food and its effect on disease if you are studying lab rats, if you are looking in a Petri dish, because you can control their environment completely. You could feed them the same exact diet. You could change one piece of their diet. You could mega dose rats with potato chips and nothing else. And so you can have that control. Human beings, we can't, we don't have that control. We can't control for every single other piece of their environment and control what they put into their mouths for in the long term. And also, there are so many differences in terms of how genetically we are made up and how we process food, our disease states. You can't say cause and effect. So that's where I can say confidently that there is Mm. no truth to a food causing inflammation. There is a lot of cherry picking that goes on with that statement because a lot of these foods that people will hold up that are quote unquote inflammatory, all have one thing in common and that's that they are typically processed or ultra processed. Mm. Uh, no one's gonna really, unless if you're a carnivore MD, um, <laughs> hold up a piece of broccoli and say that this is inflammatory. <laughs> Their research in terms of how our diet influences inflammation, That's still, it's not conclusive and it's so ongoing and there's a lot of yes and no's. There's a lot of uncertainties and that's because it's very, it's much more complex than people make it out to be. So, if we're talking about anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory or pro-inflammatory foods, it's important to understand that preventing or reducing inflammation through diet is all about dietary patterns. It, you need to focus on your pattern of eating as opposed to eating a few particular foods or avoiding a few particular foods to reduce inflammation. There's no miracle food out there that's going to cure people with chronic inflammation. You need to have an anti-inflammatory lifestyle and diet, so to say. And the same is true for a food that makes. there's no cure. There's no magical anti-inflammatory food There's also no food that has the power to directly cause inflammation. However, where this gets, where people really take this out of context and where people misinform others is they take a lot of the research done on looking at dietary patterns and the foods in certain dietary patterns and automatically assume that- because this food is common in a dietary pattern that may promote inflammation, that food is the problem, not the way of eating. So this can be kind of hard to understand. I think an example is the best way to put this and what I'm trying to say here. So thinking about the standard American diet, this is often referred to as the Western diet and it's characterized by high amounts of processed foods, refined carbohydrates and added sugars, refined fats, high fat dairy products and red meat. As a result, it's also typically low in a healthy variety of minimally processed foods and whole foods, like fruits, vegetables, legumes, whole grains. And this type of eating pattern, this standard American diet, Western diet, is associated with increased levels of inflammation and an increased risk for chronic disease development. Not because of a single food. It is because of the excess consumption of nutrient-poor ultra-processed foods, and minimal consumption of nutrient-dense, health-promoting foods over time. It's not a single food. It's a way of eating. And it's not Mm. just what you're eating, but it's also what you aren't eating. So you have to look at your dietary pattern as a whole when it comes to any disease, but also, when it comes to inflammation and understanding how you're eating may influence inflammation.
1: So it's a lazy way of thinking. People say, oh, the American diet, which is high in processed foods, is associated. I think that's also an important word, not causes. Associated. is associated with, with inflammation. So I can go grab any processed food off the shelf and then say, this is inflammatory. That's what they're mm-hmm. doing, essentially. Yeah. They're saying, oh, this diet that's pretty much exclusively made up of this kind of stuff. Let me just go take it and say, this isn't like inflammatory. That's what they're doing. It's just a lazy way of looking at it.
0: Exactly, and people will pull foods. There are certain nutrients like omega six fatty acids that may play a larger role in the inflammatory response in the body that are found in foods like seed oils, which are commonly known as being quote unquote inflammatory. And because of their actual function, the, their function in the body, what they do play a large role in the inflammatory response, because of that, automatically, they are inflammatory. Because of that, they cause inflammation. And that is, so that's an example of really a lack of understanding of how foods impact our overall health and differentiating between the role a nutrient may play in the body versus consuming that nutrient. There's a difference there.
1: Um, Okay. Wait, that's starting to make more sense on the whole seed oil conversation because I haven't touched on that since we talked about it a while back. That's the main argument against seed oils, correct, is that they are inflammatory. That's the number one, the poster of the, the campaign against seed oils right? is yes, it's inflammatory. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so certain omega-6s play a role in that process in the body. Therefore, they just skip like eight jumps and say, this is what's causing everything bad in the world, which we yeah. now know with like, okay, so all the different ways of how complex inflammation is, we know that can't be the case. That one yes, thing we, can't be the case.
0: We don't eat. We're not just eating seed oils solely in isolation. We're not consuming enough of them. The well, really... to. I'd say the main argument against omega-6 fats, which are found in seed oils, comes from this. I'm just going to give a brief little review of how it could get misinterpreted as being very inflammatory. So bear with me here. A few big words, but I'm just going to keep this shorter. So the body can convert the most common omega-6 fat, which is called linoleic acid, into other fatty acids called arachidonic acid, which is a building block for molecules that can promote inflammation, promote blood clotting and the constriction of blood vessels. So our body also converts that arachidonic acid into molecules that can calm inflammation and fight blood clots. But because omega-6 at a cellular level, okay. So we're talking about its function at a cellular level. Omega-6 also just exists in the body on its own. What it does is yes it can be a building block for an inflammatory molecule does that mean eating it causes more inflammation no not at all that is what people confuse and that's where people get really clever because they will pull up a study that's done in a petri dish looking at you know this Uh. omega-6 is really heightens the amount of pro of inflammatory molecules that are produced if we're adding more omega-6 we're going to see more inflammatory molecules at a cellular level. Yes. But that doesn't transfer into humans consuming omega-6 in their diet.
1: So these, I mean, these sound like they're necessary to an extent.
0: Yes. Like your
1: body needs, like it it sounds good because we just talked about if your body didn't have inflammatory responses, especially acute, that would be a big problem. Yes. So having something like this in your diet, it seems like a Laffer curve, right? Like the upside down U where it's like you need a certain amount, like a certain amount of these is very good health promoting. And then you overdo it just like anything. And it starts to actually be a detriment to health. It sounds, it seems like that laugher curve, but people are like, nope, it's a straight line up. The more you have, the worse it is. That's what people are confusing it for.
0: Yes. And where, because Omega sixes are predominantly found in seed oils, where are seed oils most found in ultra processed foods, foods in a package, right? So let's take it back to this dietary patterns piece, it's not the omega-6s. It is the overconsumption of ultra-processed foods that, again, have no health-promoting properties, are nutrient-poor, combined with the lack of consumption of health-promoting nutrients, like, say, your omega-3s, which are very anti-inflammatory. It's that combination that fuels this fire that is inflammation in the diet. It's not one component. So I, I feel like that example can kinda help Show you how complex this is, and but also show you how you—it's simply you cannot narrow it down to one to just one singular food.
1: I was going to say that just showed me how really stupid the seed oil conversation is.
0: It it drives. That's so ridiculous. It's
1: very lazy. It just seems so freaking lazy to have that argument, Mm -hmm. and not even that because I know I was more familiar with the side of the argument with like when we had Alan on a little bit ago too, talking about have same thing like seed oils just like inflammation doesn't mean one thing like seed oils can come from and canola nuts right like simple like nuts you're saying that any adverse health effect is going to be tied to increased nut intake no that's not how it works but that's the lazy argument that people are having that's just that that's what i'm like people are just are they afraid of freaking sunflowers that's the argument this is (laughs) who are you if you're just afraid of a flower okay sorry
0: now, before, so kind of this gets to the, just summarizing this. No, there are no single foods that I would recommend to you to exactly avoid because they mm-hmm. cause inflammation. But before we get into some components of your diet that may help reduce inflammation, it's still important to understand that there are certain foods to limit in your diet, to not eat in excess. Not, I'm not saying not avoid altogether, but they shouldn't be the focus of your diet. And people will take this and be like, well, h- how do I know how much to eat? It's almost like the 80 20 rule, which honestly, I think it could be 70 30, but really trying 70% more whole foods, cooking at home, using actual ingredients, and like the whether it's 20 to 30% being more of like the fun foods, the processed foods. They just shouldn't be the main. Focus. And so, if you're looking to maybe reduce inflammation, maybe pay a bit more attention to how your diet may be playing a role in your inflammation, okay, let's limit the ultra processed foods in our diet, the sugar sweetened beverages in our diet, alcohol, ultra processed meats, and foods higher in saturated fats, right? That doesn't mean avoid, it means that these are not going to be the crux of our diet. Because when eaten in excess, that can promote inflammation. Not going to point out a single one food. Not going to say avoid any food altogether. Because you don't need to do that. But nobody has a balance. People don't understand this concept of, I can have a food that isn't good for me and still be healthy. I can eat a food. I can eat the Little Debbie's yodels. Are they? Are are Little Debbie's? Yodel? What are they? (laughs) What is a yodel is you? <laughs> what is little Debbies? I can eat the cosmic brownie here oh, like and that. there. I, like I can that. eat a food that quite literally has no uh, benefit, benefit to my health, but I can still be healthy because I'm not eating three cosmic brownies every single day, right? It's this balance that people and especially Americans, do not have. but it can be done. I mean, alcohol is never good for you. The best thing you could do is to drink no alcohol. That's not realistic for a lot of people, but alcohol has directly increases inflammation and over time, chronic alcohol consumption is going to lead to potential inflammatory diseases as well. So it's this balancing act, but it's not a single food causes inflammation. It is how your diet is set up, what it's mainly revolving around, which people don't like. That's not sexy. That doesn't sell. But... There is another side of the coin here, which there are ways to eat that can reduce inflammation. And also maybe if you are suffering with an inflammatory disease, you know, you have it in your family, maybe we can mitigate some inflammation. We can kind of reduce the severity of our symptoms of a certain disease we know we are experiencing. Again, no food is going to completely obliterate inflammation. That's impossible. Food is great. It's not that powerful, but Looking at certain, like what certain diets have in common that reduce inflammation and help lower inflammation in the body, a lot of research will look at a Mediterranean dietary pattern. They'll look at the DASH diet, which is often prescribed to diabetics type two and type 2 diabetes management. The DASH diet is popular, mm. but there's this really good review that looked at 29 studies and there were 16 observational and then 13 intervention studies and they're looking at dietary patterns and biomarkers of oxidative stress and inflammation. So the most recent evidence from human studies on the association between dietary patterns and biomarkers of oxidative stress and inflammation found that the Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet and plant-based diets as well are associated with decreased oxidative stress and pro-inflammatory markers in the blood. So again, we're talking about dietary patterns, ways of eating. You can't say that, you know, the Mediterranean diet causes less inflammation, but you see way less inflammatory markers in the blood in people who are eating this type of diet. Whereas Western diets and fast food diets were positively associated with oxidative stress and inflammation biomarkers. Again, it's not this cause and effect. However, there's a very strong, relationship between these eating patterns and inflammation. And this has been shown time and time again in many, many, many studies looking at dietary patterns. I feel like I keep saying that word, but I want it to ingrain it in people's heads because people are so fucking obsessed with nitpicking little foods, little components of a diet, what to avoid. And it's, you got to look at the bigger picture, but what do all these diets have in common? A more plant-based diet, Mediterranean diet, DASH diet. They're all high in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes and minimal consumption of processed foods. Is that sexy? Does that sell? No, but you don't have to follow one of these diets strictly, but you can take components of these diets and that is going to help to a degree, reduce some inflammation in your body, especially if you're going from a Western diet or eating lots of fast food every day, and then you start cooking a few meals a day that's going to have a huge effect on, on the inflammation status of your body. It's not going to cure a disease, but these nutritional components are very, very impactful and it's food nutrients that are very, very impactful. It's not these specific foods, but in combination, certain, uh, features of a diet, that's when they have a huge impact. On your health over time. So although no single food can directly reduce inflammation, there are nutrients that target inflammation and can reduce it in the body when eaten regularly. So what are some more of those nutrients? So food nutrients you can add to your diet to reduce inflammation would be fiber, which is found in fruits, vegetables, especially legumes and whole grains, such as barley, oats, bran, antioxidants, which is found in brightly colored fruits and vegetables, Omega-3 fatty acids found in fish such as salmon, mackerel, sardines, vegetable oils, flaxseed oil, and canola oil, yes, in small amounts, can be helpful there. Walnuts, flaxseeds, leafy green vegetables. Omega-3s are so powerful because they reduce the production of molecules and substances linked to inflammation, such as these Inflammatory cytokines, which can increase the production of inflammatory cells in your body. Polyphenols, which are plant chemicals found in berries, dark chocolate, tea, apples, citrus, and onions, and coffee. And then also unsaturated fats. Again, those are your omega-3s, which I just gave some examples of, but they also can be your omega-6s as well. So all of your nuts and seeds are going to be a great option there. So,
1: Are, are you again, saying, let me pause you there, are you saying to maybe add seed? And seed oils into your diet
0: to yeah, reduce inflammation? Yeah. Yes, but add them to meals, right? So like if we're looking at adding two teaspoons of canola oil to your cooking or flaxseed oil to your cooking, that, that's what I'm talking about. If you're eating food products with canola oil, it's going to have a lot more canola oil. And also you're going to get the added sugars. You are going to get more of the saturated fats. Maybe it's easier to overconsume these foods. Again, it's not just the canola oil that you might be eating in excess, but there are other components of these ultra processed foods that maybe aren't going to be the best for your health. So adding these foods into your cooking methods, adding them in moderation, especially oil, all you need really is like a a teaspoon or two, but people will use like so much oil and that's where the line can get a little bit blurred there. But
1: I like it because (laughs) like you said, like the two most common diets that, show lower levels of inflammation, like the plant-based diet and the Mediterranean, which I know you're big on, which we actually, Mm -hmm. we've been talking about doing an episode, but we haven't pulled the trigger on Mediterranean, but it's interesting. So I like it because you can take these things away from it. Cause we've talked about, I mean, in our vegan plant-based episode too. like that's a big pro of a plant-based diet, but that's also like, we're only measuring your health based on your inflammation levels. And we know there's so much more to it. Yeah, but that's the piece that I love so much is a lot of those foods that you listed contain seed oils. Some of them, they contain mm-hmm. things that people have told you are off limits or cause inflammation. All these things, it's like it, it just it shows. I guess it speaks to more how of just lazy thinking that really is. Yeah, uh, I mean, people uh, even whole... say
0: carbs are inflammatory, and it's like what yeah, or any it, form of sugar can lazy. be inflammatory. Yeah, and it's a lot more complex than that, and. Just to briefly touch on, because you brought up what the Mediterranean diet is, because I feel like I didn't explain it. And it's really just, it's an eating pattern. I don't even, people will think and be like, oh, it's just another diet to follow. But I really look at it as just a way of eating that's very much so not strict at all, but can help guide you in a healthy eating pattern. So it's characterized by a high intakes of fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, and seeds, and low to moderate intake of dairy products, fish, poultry, and wine. So that is – oh, and then also low intakes of red meat and eggs with olive oil used as the main source of fat. And I say low to moderate intake of dairy products and fish is probably not the best. It's low in comparison to fruits and vegetables, but the main protein sources are fish and poultry. So it's kind of how you interpret the Mediterranean diet. It's changed over time, but over the years, researchers began to discover that people who followed the style of eating had lower rates of disease and lived longer than people in the United Mm. States who ate a Western-style diet. It's like you go – It's. I feel like Europeans – if you go to Europe, so many people are like, wow, why do I feel so much better? I feel like I'm eating pasta and I'm eating all this dairy. Well, what else are you also eating? You're also minimizing your processed food consumption. The portion sizes are completely different. Most of these foods are all – cooked like homemade, used with real food ingredients, and it's gonna have a a little bit of a different impact on your health. Lots of olive oil also used and as the main source of fat versus saturated fats, but it's you could take components of this Mediterranean diet style and just add them in. You don't have to follow this strictly, but you could take some features and use them to your advantage because it can help protect against inflammation so yeah i like the mediterranean diet there's multiple ways to kind of it's changed so much over the years in terms of like what classifies as one which is why i try to say it's a eating pattern versus a diet but
1: but i like the european example of it when people are like oh my gosh i feel so much better because it's not just it's those two like pulling forces where it's like the things that you're like not putting into your diet like the processed foods but also the things that you are including like it's not just avoid this or add this one thing. It's a little bit of both. Like what are stuff that you can put in there that'll naturally push the not so good or the bad away? And then what quote unquote bad stuff or stuff should you limit or stay away? Like, It's not just one thing or another. It's complex.
0: Yeah. And anytime I'm recommending to someone like if someone tells me they want to improve their diet, they want to eat healthier, they want to eat for their health. I am always, always, always going to recommend focusing on what you can add to your diet Again, we talked a a little bit about some foods that may promote inflammation in terms of from a a dietary pattern perspective, but that wouldn't even be what I would tell you to focus on. I wouldn't want you to put most of your energy into thinking, how often am I eating processed food today? I would want you to think about centering your meals around whole foods because that's going to attack. That's going to attack the limiting ultra ultra processed food consumption. If you're focusing on cooking two, two meals a day, right off the bat. That means that 80%, at least 80% of that meal is gonna be coming from Whole Foods. And you can work your way up. It's a lot more manageable. It's a lot more productive to focus on the foods that you can add. Yeah, you know what? I noticed that at lunch, I never add a vegetable. This week for lunch, I'm going to add a vegetable. Okay, like it's, there's a lot of different things that you could do. You can get really specific. It doesn't have to be some huge dietary change. You could change some components over time. And it's really, really productive versus really focusing on oh my God, did I have a cosmic brownie today or yesterday? I can't remember. No, don't do that.
1: It's like any but. diet changes. I know we're both big fans of this, but it's like, look at the stuff you can add first before you look at what you can take away. Because yeah. I think that's the argument that just works like long-term. If you're going to stick to a diet, if you're going to make change that actually lasts, that's the approach that you're, en- you're going to end up taking. So the whole mm-hmm. the grocery store, the against this, the stop this, all that's doing is promoting the wrong way to do it. Like we're not yeah. saying just eat all potato chips and everything, but if you focus on adding the good pieces in, naturally those things that are going to be adding to inflammation or adding to whatever's getting in the way will slowly just start to work their way out, not because you're avoiding them, just because you don't want them have room for they just don't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. You just naturally don't yeah. want them That approach just works so much more. And I, I was curious too, because I know we were talking about this beforehand. It's not just diet, like inflammation has a lot to do with a lot of other factors in your yeah. lifestyle and not yeah. just foods that you eat. What are some of the lifestyle factors that I guess could help promote this lower inflammation lifestyle or to help yeah. naturally take care of this kind of stuff?
0: <laughs> so the first one, which we've been talking about a lot recently would be sleep. So oh, both God. poor sleep quality and duration can promote inflammation in your body. That is the time when every single system in your body is recovering. You need that recovery in order to function optimally. If you are not optimizing your sleep, you're not optimizing any aspect of your health. Let's be honest here. We have a whole episode on sleep. You go listen to it, but that's going to really keep your inflammation at at bay. Prolonged lack of sleep and also really poor sleep quality that promotes inflammatory marker production in our blood. And people don't I people ignore it so much and it's just another reason, you know. I could talk about it forever. I know Tony could, but prioritize sleep. If you could do everything you want with your diet, if your sleep is absolute shit, you're not gonna get where you need to be.
1: No. Um, it's also but, harder to focus on too. So that's probably I think that's why people avoid it. Is it's like it's hard to fix Oh, it's that's hard.
0: Like, it's not easy. It's why we made a whole easy. freaking
1: episode about it. How to <laughs> fix your sleep. Go check it out. But okay, so sleep, yeah. which unshockingly When I hear that, that's so not shocking to me. Like, of course, that's Mm going to have a massive effect on helping that. So, okay. So sleep's a big one.
0: Yeah. So then next would be physical activity, which that sometimes is confusing to people because when you think about physical activity acutely, directly after physical activity, you are going to have that um, increase in inflammation, but that is normal. That's a normal response to Mm -hmm. exercise. Regular sustained physical activity, including endurance and resistance type exercise, may also provide a protective impact on chronic low-grade inflammatory conditions, and it does so by decreasing pro-inflammatory molecules. This can get a little bit confusing because the direct mechanism of physical activity on inflammation is not completely understood it, it might researchers are starting to hop, hypothesize now that it might be more so an indirect effect of how over time whether it's strength training or endurance training but mostly it's seen with strength training the higher amount of lean muscle tissue and lower amount of body fat is really what is targeting that inflammation
1: oh that's um, interesting
0: so that it's that mechanism there, it's kind of like, is it direct the physical activity? Is it indirect? Still not completely certain, but either absolutely way, does have an effect. Be, yeah.
1: Okay. Either, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking, but, either, either way working out. That is interesting though, because mm-hmm. I would think that your body would just get better since it is a more acute inflammation that comes with it. It would almost just get better at regulating that process. But I never even thought about mm-hmm. the benefits of just holding less. Body fat and an increase in lean body mass having a mm-hmm. massive effect yeah. on the road too it probably could yeah. be both like a little bit of both yeah, that I goes think on so. okay mm-hmm. so sleep physical activity and here. that's so physical an regular lifestyle.
0: physical activity with proper recovery so if you are overtraining and uh, that can promote an increase in chronic inflammation so
1: valid yeah, point yeah true overtraining recovery. is actually leads to chronic Inflammation more than I think people realize. True overtraining is very hard to reach. Like, I don't think I've ever met a human yeah. who's truly gotten to the point of overtraining, but it speaks to that seven days, no days off approach of it's yeah. like you might be just going all gas, no breaks. Okay. So, mm-hmm. physical activity, sleep. Yeah. The staples. What sleep
0: else? and also stress. So, This is when you think of like chronically elevated cortisol. You'll hear people all the time throw around like, oh, my cortisol was elevated. I was so inflamed. It's chronically elevated cortisol levels do increase the production of pro-inflammatory molecules and can activate some pro-inflammatory pathways, so I just find it hard. You can't completely blame it on chronically elevated cortisol because that's really hard to measure. So yes, you should, you should worry about your stress, but you can't always, most people are not measuring their cortisol accurately, which is why I try to be careful of how I I really try to generalize it and just make sure you have some stress management practices because any form of stress, psychological, physiological, that can promote inflammation. So Focus on, you know, stress reduction, directly targeting cortisol. Most people are not measuring. So I try to be careful about how I throw that word around, but.
1: Go meditate. (laughs) Take care of your
0: stress. Okay. And then lastly, which we already talked about, but body weight. So a risk factor for inflammation is obesity. Obesity predisposes us to a pro-inflammatory state. And this is via increased inflammatory mediators, which I talked about the interleukin-6 and TNF-alpha, and reduced levels of adiponectin. So adiponectin has anti-inflammatory functions in the body. So not only is this increase in fat cells to um, a level that it would be classified as obesity going Mm. to promote inflammatory marker production, but it's also going to decrease anti-inflammatory functioning in the body. That is something that I find very fascinating that I feel like most people will say, you know, I'm inflamed. So I gained weight or I can't lose weight because of my inflammation. And it's a weird thing because I don't really understand where that comes. (laughs) I don't really understand where people get that idea from, but you are going, weight gain is going to have one of the biggest impacts on your level of inflammation in the body, not inflammation, not so much inflammation increasing your ability to gain weight, yeah. which I don't uh, know if you it see it that like as another, often as no,
1: I do. It's, that's a common one. I think it's less common. It used to be big as, I don't want to call it like a scapegoat. But a generalization when it's like when you're frustrated, you've tried to lose weight, it's not working. I feel like that's a common scapegoat with insulin, with what, whatever blanket thing that people are I, I really just too lazy to really dig deep and, and understand. Inflammation is yeah. a big one. Where it's like I can't lose weight because I'm chronically inflamed. It's like mm, like is that yeah is that really where it comes from? Where I know if you are chronically inflamed, it can probably impact areas of your life to make it more difficult. Oh, for sure. Getting up and going to the gym, doing all these things. That makes sense. But to say that that's causing you to be overweight or to do something like that, it's just inaccurate. But yeah, that was a few years ago. Inflammation was it. That was the hot word for for why you can't lose weight. That's a big one. I knew it was a, a big tie together because you'd see reduced inflammation markers when you would just lose weight, period. Mm-hmm. One like another big reason why just weight loss in general regard like why people are so freaked out about organic or eating clean or whatever it is it's like if you lose weight doesn't matter how the hell you do it your blood markers your health is probably going to improve if you're eating a cosmic brownie every day or if you're eating nothing but kale and broccoli it's like if you yeah. lose that weight and which one are you going to be more likely to stick to the one where you probably enjoy some of your favorite foods yeah but i didn't realize how it was really working like you just kind of covered
0: Yeah. Hypocaloric diet has an anti-inflammatory effect. So if you're eating in a a calorie deficit and that's independent of the diet composition. So for just looking at losing weight, again, we talked about a lot of features of a diet that can have an anti-inflammatory effect, but weight loss on its own, regardless of what you're eating, eating less, losing weight, that's going to reduce inflammation in your body. And that's very like, regardless of what you're eating regardless of the food content so it, it can just it that's how big of a role the your body fat the amount of body fat that you have plays in inflammation and i don't think that people and i know people are it's like i try to be sensitive i try to be like like there are definitely overweight and obese people who have completely great healthy blood panels they th- that exists it's not to be inconsiderate of that but i feel like people ignore this conversation because they're worried about
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Coming across like uh, coming across is just
1: no. A- they absolutely, a hundred percent. I think that's accurate. They'll avoid yeah. that piece of the conversation, ignore that, just because it's easier not to look at or not accept. Because again, it's not saying that one thing's good or bad. It's just saying, hey, this has a direct effect on this. Not a good or bad yeah. thing. But you're going to notice if you lose weight, if you lose fat guess what's going to happen those are usually mm-hmm. also going you know i don't think it's a good or a bad thing but i think it's something that should be probably talked about more cuz no i have not heard anyone be t- like anyone be talking about it i haven't heard anyone talking <laughs> about that side of the conversation until today until you brought it up i really yeah. haven't yeah
0: so that's the some other factors and then if you were thinking about i mean diet first to change look at diet and lifestyle supplements are always going to be like very bottom bottom, Mm -hmm. bottom, focus, end of the food chain. Like this is not, if you can't include supplements, that's okay. Like they're not going to have a huge impact, not going to have as much of an impact as your diet and lifestyle changes ever. Supplemental to all of that, but they can have a little extra push, especially these two, I would say fish oil more so than the other one, but supplements that can target inflammation to a degree. First one, would be curcumin, which is found in turmeric. And make sure if you're taking a curcumin supplement that it has – you take it with black pepper. You, If you're eating it with food, you're adding black pepper mm. to your foods. Um, or the supplement contains – I think it's piperine is the
1: – Oh, I know what you're talking about. I think it is pepper – Piperine, it's, con- yeah. it's in a lot of supplements to help with it's absorption. piperine.
0: So typically the supplement will have piperine, and it should. It definitely should. If it doesn't, don't buy it. But that is required in order to absor- absorb curcumin. You need that. And it's found in black pepper. So if you're adding turmeric to your foods, also make sure you are adding black pepper to actually absorb that curcumin. But where supplements for curcumin are going to be better is you have to eat a lot of turmeric in order to get any mm. potential anti-inflammatory benefits there and turmeric is very very potent. Yeah, I don't typically like a recipe is typically going to call for no more than I mean it depends if it kind of depends on what you're making, but it's very very overpowering. So mm-hmm. you're not that's where um it's A supplement is going to be. I would typically recommend it if you want to try it. It May reduce inflammatory markers, C reactive protein, and malinaldehyde. Yeah, I'm going to say that that's what it's called.
1: Sounded (laughs) legit.
0: But that's what most researchers uh, have found, especially on the C reactive protein side. and again, it's not going to completely rid your body of inflammation, but it might do that extra push. Same with fish oil. So we have a whole episode on fish oil. Love, love, love fish oil. If I could recommend next to vitamin D, typically it's like for me, can't hurt to take a fish oil, also can't hurt to take magnesium. I would say those are my top three where I'm like, most people would would just could generally benefit from them, especially because omega-3s in the standard American diet. So fish oil is those are those omega-3 fatty acids. Very, and those have the strong anti-inflammatory properties, so foods high in omega-3s. If you are just kind of starting out eating a little bit more vegetables, and maybe you're just trying to eat a little bit more fish, but you feel like you don't get enough, fish oil is going to be a great option. Again, food first, but they fish oil supplements can reduce the production of molecules and substances linked to inflammation, such as those inflammatory cytokines, those uh, signals almost that increased production of inflammatory cells. And the fish oil supplement's effect can be attributed to reducing neuroinflammation, which I find pretty interesting, but you shouldn't extend its benefits to inflammatory diseases in general. So fish oil can help with heart disease to a degree. If you are at risk for heart disease, Taking a fish oil supplement um, can be something you can do in conjunction with, you know, dietary changes, lifestyle changes. But it's not going to be it's not going to be this cure all. But it does have anti-inflammatory effects that are have been well studied. I really recommend listening to that episode, not just because I, I put poured my heart and soul into it, but we talked about a lot of interesting studies there.
1: So, yeah, that is that's true. That is one of the staples that we put up there. I think that's always our like our.
0: What are your like top three supplements that you would recommend to?
1: Well, it's like the any that... health
0: like generally healthy person who wouldn't like, have like a complication that,
1: that those five that are most usable because that's where i'm like people I, whenever i do a A on instagram or something like that i get that stupid question so many times like what are the best supplements it's, it freaking depends on you it's like they're filling a gap in your diet yeah. but that's i mean usually it's like the most helpful that most people have a gap in is like protein creatine magnesium vitamin d fish oil like yeah. those five you're going to see a gap in the diet more than most others not saying you need all five of those or any of those but I know I'm not going to eat fish multiple times per week that's why I take fish oil every day because I do Mm -hmm. I just know I'm not going to I've tried before but it's just not it just doesn't fit as much the prep time takes too much but I take fish oil every day because of that it's just because I know I'm not going to get omega-3s through too many other sources I know I take like chia seeds and some other stuff but that's one that I think those are my top five that was a quick rattle Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it too much yeah but I'd say those are probably my top five where I see the most use for mm-hmm. most people. Did I miss one?
0: I don't really think I even have a, well, vitamin D, fish oil, magnesium are like my mm-hmm. top three. And then I would say a probiotic for whatever reason, protein powder. I just feel like I never like, yeah, everyone could benefit from it, but I, for whatever reason I don't classify it under, it is a supplement, I know what you but mean. I'm like, like,
1: when I said protein and creatine, it seems different than like a yeah. fish oil, vitamin D and magnesium. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess, well, cause protein is more filling in like a dietary hole, like a macro yeah. hole, not a micro hole
0: mm-hmm. in the diet. Yeah. But so, yeah. okay. okay so it makes
1: sense. All solid. Okay, little, All solid. little
0: tangent, but that, I think that for me is enough for inflammation for people to at least hopefully think about, okay, what are some aspects of my diet or dietary patterns as a whole that maybe I I could improve? Like. How often am I eating fruits and vegetables? How often am I cooking my meals at home? How often am I eating out? How often am I reaching for a processed food versus something that I cooked or prepped? It just should get the wheels turning because you can make one simple change, such as adding a vegetable to your lunch and dinner, five out of the seven days a week, and that's going to have a significant impact on not only like inflammation, but your over, just your overall health. And it's yeah. one step, it's one tiny piece that you want to master. Again, it's habitual. Over time, these dietary patterns are going to have an impact on your health. It's not something quick that you're going to really notice. You're not going to notice this this huge change, but that you should make the steps where you could think, I could do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, I could at lunch, I could have a vegetable Every day during the weekdays, I feel like I could definitely do that. Make it habitual and don't Mm -hmm. get too caught up in what foods that you should avoid, eliminate, and understand that inflammation. It's a complex process. And it's also hopefully that alleviates some fear, which a lot of people, what telling you that a food is inflammatory, avoid it, only instills fear and promotes fear of food. So hopefully that alleviates some of those food fears because yes, diet, And how you eat over time is very impactful, has a huge effect on your health. But individual foods, eating them here and there, that does not. That's not very impactful. That's not going to make much of a difference. Having a little bit of canola oil, it's not going to really do much. It's not going to have that much of a change on anything. So,
1: Yeah. Just kind of reinforces the whole, there's no such thing as a bad food, just a bad diet. Or mm -hmm. a healthy food, healthy diet. Same thing. Yeah, Just reinforces that i think i hope that does give people some comfort because i know some people get so scared of it but if you have a cosmic brownie, whatever quote unquote, unquote i don't
0: know why but, I can, you know what it is i've been trying to make protein cosmic brownies i've tried oh. two recipes already and i've failed and i think they're in the back of my head just nagging me of like hey you can't do this you can't you
1: can't I've never met a, a recipe that brownie. mariana couldn't tackle third time's a charm okay but yeah but it's just like you could and just for anyone argumentative sake you could have any food that's on the list of people in the on social media's grocery store avoidance lists. And I promise you, you could have someone include that food in their life every single day. But if it's someone who sleeps well, who's active, who eats a lot of whole foods, it's like, I promise you, you cannot find any measurable negative health out- outcome based on adding one or two or three yeah. foods when the entire picture is overall pretty good. That's what people always, always, always forget. And it's like, it. it's just, yeah. You're missing the forest for the trees if you're worried about it. But it's interesting because I didn't even know a lot about this about inflammation. So hopefully,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hopefully people did. Hopefully
0: too. that helped. Yeah. And send this to your friends. Save to it. Them. Share it. Post it on your stories.
1: And make sure I don't know. you're here <laughs> again next week. We have a big drop. I love our training program drops. Oh, I'll yeah. That.
0: Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> next week, high frequency, full body training program drop. If you're in premium, you get it this Friday. Everybody else, we're gonna break it down on Monday. So premium, we'll see y'all this Friday. Everybody else, see y'all Monday. Hopefully you have a good week. What's this week, October? Oh, Oktoberfest was last weekend. Nothing else Today coming up. this October
0: week.
1: Today's October 3rd. Today's October 3rd. Not the day of this recording. I <laughs> October 3rd. I, did, I, did, I went to Oktoberfest this past weekend. I got a Stein, one of those big cups of beer. Mm. I haven't had beer in a while. And I was like halfway through, I'm like, oh my God, I'm kind of feeling this. This is feeling pretty good. I forgot Beer does this to me. I get real, t- I'm a lightweight. But by the end of it, dude, my tummy aches were
0: Your stomach, ungodly.
1: Yeah. It, it ruined the rest of my night. I had it at like 2 p.m. Yeah. I was like, babe, can we just chill and watch a movie? I'm, about to throw up. I'm such a baby with that. My gut's <laughs> not happy. But it's October. We're in a false spirit. We're good. We'll see y'all next time. Yeah. <laughs>